This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's show is sponsored by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to find the perfect candidate? ZipRecruiter finds candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Right now, listeners can post jobs for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first. Today's show is also sponsored by Texture. The Texture app lets you tap into the world's most popular magazines anytime, anywhere, using your smartphone or tablet. Right now, Texture is offering our listeners a 14-day free trial when you go to texture.com forward slash bad Christian. That's 14 days to try check to try Texture for free when you go to texture.com forward slash bad Christian. And lastly, but certainly not least, today's show is also sponsored by Seat. Geek. Buying tickets online has always been a confusing process, but not with SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app today to start saving. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN, and SeatGeek will send you a $20 rebate after your first ticket purchase. That's promo code BADCHRISTIAN for a $20 rebate right now. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Joey Svensson, Matt and I are in Nashville, but that don't mean you can't bring it. Three, two, one. It's the Bad Christian Podcast. Matt and I are together and Joey is alone. He's gonna be so sad and lonely, he might just show his dad his wiener. Man, you could have rammed his bone wiener. there. He's alone. He's gonna show his dad his bone with a <laughs> wow. I thought, you had it, dude. I thought you had that one. <laughs> Dang it. Joey, you know, that that gets me to thinking, my friend. What does it get you, you see, to thinking? You, you, you well, don't you think see, much. This, that's an abnormality. I hardly ever think. Uh, I don't even like doing I feel like it's a waste of time. It doesn't really do anything for you. But I was thinking yeah. that you have seemed pretty happy. I don't know if you've been sad or down, <laughs> like in, in maybe in 2017. I, I don't remember when's the last time. So the, med, the meds are working. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in a good little season. Now, one you said they've they've called it. Uh, what, what's the new one you're doing? It's called cocaina. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> it's, new, it's, it's like from another country no. or something. It's, I don't even know how you got it, but cocaina. It's, no, it's heroinana. Um, heroinana. Yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff. So, so wait, <laughs> wait, that's the best you could think of. You added nana to heroin. <laughs> I actually used the actual. I think the Spanish term for cocaine is cocaina, but you just said heroin anana. <laughs> heroinana. <laughs> Man, whatever you're on is working, dude. You're <laughs> well, on a roll. I, well, here's the thing is uh, me being good to go mentally. LSD a DD. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep this going. <laughs> Crackle diddly do. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I'll, I'm done. Oh, I goodness. Done. So, so a good, a good season for me is not not kind of getting it down in the dumps, you know, not caused by anything else, just getting sad more than once or twice a week and it not getting super bad. So the, honestly, oh my gosh, this is actually kind of funny because I told, I told myself when this happened, I was like, I'm never going to talk about this on the podcast. It's just too sad. <laughs> is that too- your first go? Is that everybody's first go-to now when something serious happens or might happen? Do you run through it? I've had that go through. When I fell down and passed out that time, I was like, I can never say this. Oh, and this is- but immediately was like, I think I'm going to have to, though. And I was thinking about it the other day when crazy stuff happens. I'm like, well, 
sometimes some some interpersonal thing happens with somebody else, and you go, man, I guess I can't talk about this, but I got to, or I should, or I'll oh never talk gosh. about this anyway. I'm glad to hear this one. If you I don't, I don't know yet. I seriously never thought that I would share this on the podcast. I actually called Priscilla on the phone. This is on Christmas Day. I was like, she already knew I was very depressed. I ruined her Christmas because I was so sad. Uh, and I, I could tell you all the reasons why that added to it, but it'd be kind of boring. But I literally called her and I said, when I told her what happened, I said, Priscilla, you don't get it. I am devastated. Like, this is killing me. So basically, I bought William uh, a, a somewhat of a sophisticated drone, uh, sophisticated for his age. And I was like, man, this is going to be some cool father son uh yeah. bonding time i got it on groupon probably for about 50 bucks but the, the price wasn't yeah. the thing so i i get it up and i've gotten him a lot of little remote control flyers but nothing this good and they all break within a couple of days and he doesn't care because you know he just forgets about it but they're all, they've all been pretty cheap so i was really excited about this one. Is, wait hang on a second 50 dollars is the expensive one uh yes that's that's expensive okay. for william i mean he's seven okay. years old right yeah that's right. that yep. much yep. more money in it uh, so I get it up in the air and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like, this thing is a sophisticated, you know, this is fun. I mean, it was, was going high up in the air and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is unbelievable. Like it is, it is taking <laughs> off. It's going far. And so I literally freeze and I'm like, oh no, because then I realized, okay, I need to get this thing to come back but i was seriously right. i i was just like stop dead it was like deer in headlights and i was like how do i get this thing to go back and i was like or maybe i should just let go of all the controllers but the thing was so high i was like <laughs> it'll break it will break if i just let go so i kept it up in the air but it kept going higher and higher <laughs> wait and you thought it was going to lose connection or something because it's yes higher? yes yeah. and so the wind started taking it i'm telling you i could barely <laughs> see the thing and I'm pretty sure there there was two switches. I'm pretty sure the right switch, all I had to do is push towards me, and it would have started f- flying back after I think about it. But listen to this, guys. I mean, this is I can laugh about it now, but it took it took a while. William said, "Dad, please tell me you can bring this back." <laughs> he was just like, "Dad, please bring it back. Please bring it back." And so finally, it got so far. I just saw this little speck go down, and I was just devastated. I mean, I was you so lost it. sad. So I spent, like, it was so far, I couldn't even really get a bearing of where it dropped. <laughs> oh, no. But we we drove all over the place <laughs> in that vicinity. I mean, we had flashlights. The kit, I mean, I was <laughs> oh, just no. devastated. I was so <laughs> devastated. And uh, so I just told William, I said, man, I'll, I'll make it up to you. I said, I can't go to the store now because everything's closed. But I, th- that was the first thing that came to mind. <laughs> One of the first things after I talked to Priscilla and I was like, I'm just devastated. Like, I just <laughs> it's breaking my heart. William's upset. And uh, and I was like, I I didn't tell Priscilla this, but I'm thinking I'm never going to talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> and that got you super down. Like you got, well, I was already super, I was already super sad. And just uh, from the holidays being around, you know, yeah. Well, just lots just of from, like time together with family yeah, and, right. and, and seeing love. Now there was a lot of reasons. One was, um, my, my brother had just left and I kind of thought that I was a sucky uncle and brother. And then yeah, there's just so many things. I was yeah. so, you know, just, just down and, and you, everything but yeah that was the like blew up Gwenny's doll <laughs> R- R- rose's paint set you <laughs> you blew up. that was the icing on the cake man I, oh my gosh but you know what's so funny is kids with toys it's just it's ridiculous i mean it really like i like 
I said this and I mean it. There's so many times where he breaks his toys within the first day and, right. and it's just, it just seems pointless. I mean, we literally cleaned right. out the garage the other day and just took so many of their toys to, to Goodwill because it's just, it's just pointless. Toys are dumb. It's almost like the stupidest thing in the world. Like I just, I can't even stand it, but you know, what's crazy about your story though is like Priscilla sees all that firsthand. And so like she's dealing, she's dealing with a situation that's not a big deal, but at the moment, it is a big deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let me see if I can try to get it. Let me try to see the difference in the way I think and the way that you think and how it affects you. So let's explore it just for a second. Yeah. So you're telling me, I mean, so basically I, that is sad. Like I, I acknowledge like being a, a less emotional or more analytic person. I don't, I don't not recognize emotions or understand that people have them. Yeah. It's just a matter of how deeply they affect you. So in this scenario, I acknowledge fully if it was in a, a movie or a commercial and you see a kid lose yeah. his toy, that's sad. Uh, you also lost $50 and William did the thing where he uh, asked you, dad, please tell me, you know, he, he put an appeal into you that actually right. made you feel guilty. But those are the only three facts about it. So to me, being depressed is, is worth, not being depressed is worth way worth telling my kid I'm sorry and I lost fifty dollars. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. and I would tell myself the worst thing has possible has happened here. My kid's disappointed today. I can get him another one, and it cost me fifty dollars, and that sucks. I have to leave. I have to let that be all this is. Right. I have to let that be the limit of how much I'm going to let this affect me. Right. And then I move on. Right. So what's different for for you there? Well, I mean, you can't. The analytical facts. Like you'd have paid fifty dollars or a hundred dollars yeah. to not feel that way. Right? I mean, he, he, here's here's what I think, and and I, I I'd say I'm I probably know twenty percent of what there probably five percent of what there is to to know about depression and everything. But I think you're exactly right with how you process it. The unfortunate thing is, though, I had already come into contact with five or six more situations earlier in the day that I flubbed up with and didn't do that. So okay, I, but I've see, already but... encountered stuff like such as not really trying to talk to my nieces, for instance, or not really, you know, just kind of already feeling sad going yeah. over to my parents' house before we wrap, you know, unwrap presents. And then I find out my brother's not spending Christmas night with us. So I don't even get an evening to kind of hang out with everybody. Yeah. And so right there, I could have been like, okay, my brother's not going to die. Neither is his family. I'm going to be, but I just let everything pile on to where right. once, yeah. once his drone no, that makes fell a from little the bit sky. More sense. <laughs> that makes a little bit more sense. But the thing we find with you often, and I think as it relates to OCD more than, or always, I think your OCD is almost always precipitating your depression. That's my observation. Yeah, That's what I you believe. You could be right. And I really believe that after your book and everything, it seems to me like all those things, like you were carrying around guilt for maybe you didn't engage that much with your nieces correctly or whatever. I've never had a second thought about how I've <laughs> treated a family member right. probably ever. Yeah. Like I've, I've never left my aunt's house and wondered if I did right. Yeah. Or, or I, I was, just, I would never just, I'd that. be immediately blaming them. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't go, oh man, I, what kind of person am I? I go, what yeah. kind of person are they? What's this damn cousin of mine? Good so, God. screwed up. <laughs> Why didn't we get out of there earlier? Right, yeah. I didn't, hey, I didn't was, talk to them. What was your But little... I'm serious though. But I'm serious. Is that not, um, like, and, and and in a way, that sounds like I'm being mean on piling on on top of that. But in a way, it seems like that whole thing, your whole thing and being up in your own head is like, I'm not accusing of being a selfish person, but it's almost right. so self-involved as opposed to, well, I'm not at my aunt. I'm not around my nieces anymore. Out of sight, out of mind, move on. Yeah. Like, is that a bad, would that be a bad thing? Are you just not unable to do it, I guess, is the problem. Yeah. How can't you know that you love them? Like, of course you love your nieces. Yeah. And I mean, like, what? that's when, like, what is that thought where you go? 
that you could actually question your goodness or if you actually yeah, yeah. love them or something. Like it, it seems like no matter no, what you do, no. go, of course yeah. I love them. No, I, I I don't question whether or not I love as much as I feel like, man, I see them twice a year and this was once out of the two times I'm going to see them and I just was okay. Horrible, one which more question I wasn't, on this. But I, one more, I, I don't think you were either, but you're, that's what I'm saying. You you know that you were, weren't, but you're going back and forth with yourself. That's what I mean when I say self-involved. Yeah. You're going, you're talking to yourself in your head and you can't, the writer of this, you know, who's driving up there is what I'm asking. You know what I mean? Right. Is it the person, the one, is there, there are two yous in your consciousness? Is that how it feels? Like there's the one telling you you're bad. And then the one telling you, no, I know I didn't treat them bad. Like, yeah. what, what is the dialogue? Yeah, like? is it no, Joey's I, brain or brain's Joey? <laughs> no, yeah, like, who's in charge up there? I'm I, I agree. I actually 100% agree with what you're saying, and I'm getting better at it. And here's, here's one thing that, I mean, it may sound hokey to you guys and just stupid, but it is profound you to me. Stupid. I, I, uh, a psychologist taught me, he said, look, once you start thinking about why you're sad, and yeah. why you are victim of these thoughts. He said, at least you're not thinking those thoughts anymore. That's already right. a step in the right direction. So once you start actively thinking, okay, wait a second, that's, this yeah. isn't right, you're already, that's already half the battle because you're getting yeah. out well, I'll of tell your you this. head. Well, one thing that, honestly, my thoughts always end up thinking about is how awful it is and hard it is to hire people. Yeah, that's one thing you that know I what? can't get, get like, over. If either. you're hiring out there, do you know where to post your job or to find the <laughs> you best really candidates? You really got me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Like, you, you want to find a person that's really excited about your the job, wants to work hard, is invested and all that stuff. And just posting it some one place online or something like this is really pretty much a joke. If you want the, to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top sites, and now you can with ZipRecruiter.com. You can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. And right now, our listeners can post uh, jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first. One more time, I'm going to say it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. Find just the best candidates. Get those hires that you want and it just make your business and job better and easier mm -hmm. and great with ZipRecruiter.com. Now, I want to talk about something else. Joey, not to cut you off, I'm glad that you're happy now and, and hopefully there's no more like Losing your kids' toys in 2017. Thanks, that man. was all 2016. That's over. But something new here in 2017 that I wanted to ask Matt about. Matt, I saw today, uh, and honestly, I saw what was kind of cool. Is I didn't see that it was up, but I saw people talking about it. You are a part of the Stronger Marriages podcast. No, that's correct. Right? With, with Seth and Melanie. Seth's our old drummer. We've known Seth and Melanie forever. And uh, so I was really surprised today how many Facebook comments I saw People like either in tears listening to it or just oh, really? thought it was so awesome, really good. Like I was, I was kind of impressed because I was like, "Oh man, this!" Is, I knew it was coming out because we're friends, but people are really seeming to like it, even just listening to the first episode. So yeah. maybe you can tell me something about it. Well, I tell you, it's a it's a fun thing to do because it's one of the first projects I've been a part of in my whole life where I didn't. Uh, 
Let me see. What, what way can I put this? It won't be offensive directly to you. Oh, God. D- it's the first project I've ever done where I didn't do all the work. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm, just, I'm just teasing on that. But there is a real sense. I know how that drone floating away feels, Joey. <laughs> there there is a real <laughs> sense that uh, that everything I've ever done that's been successful, which has been a, a few things, the way that I've done it is almost always to be ultra, ultra detail-oriented, process-oriented, super, super hands-on right. until eventually it makes sense and then it starts working and then I start letting go a little bit. And this one's different. It's a podcast that I developed uh, for Stronger Marriages, so they're the client. And then I hired the talent and made a deal with Seth and Melanie to make the podcast because they were already had a similar idea. Right. And I thought I could cultivate it and produce it and coach it and do the business and bring it up and be involved in the creative, but ultimately leave the decision-making to Melanie. And same as you. So I, we, I mastered the episodes. I yeah. didn't even mix them. I mastered them when they were done. I, and I gave note, we did a few rounds of rough drafts and I gave notes and, you know, super involved in it, but I really didn't do it. And so when I get to hear the finished product on this, like I did yesterday on the plane when I mastered the files, I was like, holy shit, this is really good. Right. And so, so you got to enjoy it yeah, too. Right. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this other person who is not me is very talented and really did above and beyond and better what I could have done if I yeah. sat down and made all the decisions. That's very cool. And so that is the most refreshing and fun part about it. On the other hand, it's a weird thing because it's a high, highly produced podcast kind of thing, which is so different. And it's, it's, man, it's a lot less fun than doing this. Right. It's a lot <laughs> harder and it takes forever to do it. And the worst part about it is there's a real high level of scrutiny for it. Like right. if you're doing something that people are used to at a super, super high level, like if you see a high budget movie, you have no forgiveness for a bad scene uh, or a weird line or right. anything. Whereas if we screw up talking here, everybody knows we're just improvised talking. Right, right, right. But yeah. this other one has scripts and lines and punch-ins and setups and intros and all these different like technical things and music under it. And there's just so many things to second guess. But very happy with it. It's doing super well already. It's just been out for a few hours now. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, what's cool, I mean, going just to add on that point, I mean, you've been working on this podcast for months. Yeah, like closer like to a year. Yeah, almost. it's not yeah. like you just turn on the computer yeah. i mean this thing is produced it sounds awesome yeah. it's really cool so i think it, that's pretty neat i know it's a lot different than this but that's a whole different world than what we're doing right here yeah i'm very 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 happy to be to in a way the finish line that it's done because the whole season's done now but in a way it's the starting line because it just launched today but the other thing bad about it is starting and launching stuff you always have to choose carefully the dates you do it um we chose valentine's day for this one and then sure enough of course it's a travel day for me so i got stuck at the airport last night with a computer and no charger trying to get the file mastered while i was at a hotel in dallas right before my uh i had to get it zip it upload it before my computer died because i didn't bring a charger <laughs> and now i'm here in nashville at your house we have to practice today we have to do all this stuff today right. and i have to keep up with what's going on with that and and it's valentine's day too you know um and so it's just it's a good launch day and i do want to encourage everybody to please check that podcast out you can find it on our website um or go to strongermarriages.com forward slash podcast or just get it on itunes there's two episodes up which is a treat you get to go through the first two um I won't talk more about it, but the launching it something on a travel day and a holiday can be difficult too. But I made that mistake yet again. I'm excited about it. Do, do people know when are people going to find out that Seth and Melanie are actually divorced? The two 
the two. That days. that sure would be the two. That's the cliffhanger. Right? You just yeah. ruined the whole. Yeah, thanks you know. for ruining the final episode. <laughs> they're going to get divorced on live. The last episode's live, and they're actually going through with their divorce. <laughs> Why don't you tell everybody who shot Jr. Bastard. Stronger marriage is my ass. Yeah. So I forget about stuff like that. Like for instance, I didn't occur to me until just you know. Ninety-six hours ago, that I wasn't going to be in town on Valentine's Day. All right, <laughs> considering yeah. my own marriage, which well, is not yeah. so strong. Well, not well, not yeah, to mention <laughs> not to mention that we record on Tuesday nights, which is a Valentine's. And uh, Priscilla Priscilla asked me the other day. She's just like, uh, uh, what, "What are we doing on Valentine's?" I was like, "I'm recording Bad Christian." Don't you know it's yeah. Tuesdays? And she she kind of smiled and laughed and immediately was fine with it. But you could tell she's like, "Oh man, Valentine's." Yeah. But my, I, my I, wife's birthday was three weeks ago, and then Valentine's Day, and I'm podcasting in a town on both of those. <laughs> I, I think now, I think that ahead. Valentine's Day. All right, so I, I, I'm going to knock a lot of people, but honestly, if you feel if if you feel obligated to do something for your spouse, you're probably either have like a very immature relationship or you're super young because at some point you both have to just be like, you know what, it's it's cool. Like I gave Priscilla a big hug this morning and she we hugged and I said, Hey, I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't do anything for Valentine's. She's like, I didn't either. We love each other. Moving on. You know? I mean Yeah. Well but, what was funny about that though is today I, I I was like, Jess and I didn't say anything. Matt and uh I had to go pick up Matt at the airport early this morning. Our friend Chris, who's playing guitar with us on this tour, uh is came in last night, so he's upstairs sleeping. I got to bed late, and so we didn't even say anything to each other. Just like, "Hey, how's it going?" That's it. <laughs> and I was, and then I started thinking, "Oh yes, Valentine's Day." And Jess made like Valentine's presents for the kids, yep. but you know, of course, not me. And I didn't do anything for her, and it did. We didn't even really cross our minds. That, but on Facebook, I started seeing people, and then out of nowhere, <laughs> I think I saw two separate posts of Matt Carter saying, "I love my girls." I I, maybe I said that. I, I it's "I love my girls." Happy Valentine's Day, or something. Like, I was like. The guy who cannot have a, it doesn't even hardly have a heart, did did more work than me. So I was like, well, I got to now. But then, Joey, you didn't do anything, and so it's the weirdest thing. Like it went exactly backwards. I would have thought, <laughs> I would have thought you would have done something, and then you know maybe Matt might have or something. Right. I wouldn't have done it, but it's just so weird that Matt. Was did you do that? I just you didn't do that out of love. There. Did you do that out of guilt? Because you missed the wife. No, Matt doesn't have guilt. He doesn't no, have emotions no. or Look, guilt. I don't separate. I don't I separate any of those things. Look, I'm I'm I am in a good space on this. I I'm not like I said. I'm not emotionless. I just right. don't. I don't think it's that simple. I just think basically. You look at everything as I'm a utilitarian. So I did that. I, of course, I do love my wife. I don't need to also speculate. Did I do this out of this or did I do this out of that? I just did it. I just tried to slide a nice thing in there. I thought it would make my life go a little bit better. I didn't go too sappy because I don't want to sound like an idiot. Plus, everybody knows for a fact is wildly unsincere if I'd have used any sappy language right. beyond that or a sweeter picture or said how much it ever meant to me that I had ever <laughs> met my best friend in my life. If I even start down that road, much like if I wear, uh, if I were to wear a, a colorful sweater, I would be called out instantly for being weird and insincere, and that's not you, dude. So right. it's very, everybody true. knows what I'm like, and I can't really break out of that. But I'm not home on Valentine's Day, so I thought it might be a good idea to slide up a picture of my wife that was vaguely positive <laughs> to try to smooth that over without being fake. Because she would read it as fake, too, if I did something uncharacteristic of myself. Well, he, so. here's, here's, a, here's a theory that I have about my wife is we both agreed this morning, hey, it's all cool, We're, we love each other, happy Valentine's. 
but I think there there's definitely a part of her that would be like, wow, after all that, he still gave me something. He still like if I brought her home some flowers or like a neat gift. Now, I don't she's she wouldn't be upset if I didn't, but she would definitely be really happy if I did. Where you to- are not Toby, going to Toby's wife, she'd probably be upset that you spent money. Right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, Jess yeah, would be like, yeah. You bought flowers? Ah, gosh. Those are $18. Jess, the, Jess doesn't even want me to put a picture of her up online. She's like, Why'd you, like, if I, I've done yeah, that in yeah. the past, you like, Why did you do that? That's not a good picture. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, Well, what? I can't even win. So, but you know what it got me thinking is, why isn't there, there's a day for love and all stuff. Why can't there be one day where you just talk a lot of shit about people? Like, you really get to just, like, this one day, you get to say, No, nah, that guy's an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you get to, or, or your wife is like, yeah, she really annoyed me today. Like you get to say something. Can't That's you a good even idea. it out? Like, Let me think about how you would pull that off. It would be There's great to be able to say, like, it. get the bad stuff out too. Why do you always got to be like lovey purge, I suppose. Right, yeah. It's there should uh, be a day where you really get to just talk the emotion, a lot of shit An emotional purge. I would love that. <laughs> I could get it all out, and then the rest of the year, I'd probably be good. I'd probably be way nicer. Like if I could really tell everybody exactly what I thought. <laughs> just for one day they can tell me too you know what i mean like it's just let's get this out this isn't about tomorrow or yesterday this is just about today and then you move on we're just being present in this well you know, the, negativity talk the, the, day. that's definitely true in the in the grand scheme if you can let people know how you feel then you're not carrying it around i mean right. of course if you call people out on facebook one day a year it, it might not work but there's definitely truth in the fact that if you are good at processing out loud and letting people know how you feel about them, even negatively included, then you are carrying less around with you all the time. So I would imagine right. somebody like Joey, for instance, makes sure people don't really know that he doesn't like them. Yeah. Whereas I, for instance, it's okay with me if people feel me being irritated. That's okay. Right. It doesn't like I'm not being mean. I don't call people out or insult them if they disappoint me. But if they are aware that that might be getting on my nerves or I don't like it, that's to me, it's a good thing or a duty to allow that. Right. It's 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 more it's easier to cover up that feeling, but it's nice to get it there. I'm probably way more like Joey. I cause myself a lot of anxiety for being around right. people that I don't like, and I just I let them I cater to them. Right. And I don't. I, a lot of times I don't like people, and then they like me, and so I just act nice or I do the right things just to keep that up because I feel bad if they thought I didn't like them. Like, I actually yeah. feel some guilt But then you've that. entered your own headspace about you judging your own self, and right. like, now you're out of, right. you know, that, that's So a, you don't actually have that guilt. You go, well, if they don't like me, I don't like them. That's just the way it is. No, you can look at no, it. it's, no, it's like if I'm dealing with you, you can tell when I'm irritated or disappointed in your actions, can't you? Yeah. And that's okay. I don't, that, I don't have to call you an idiot or correct you on everything, but the fact that you can read me, that I right. allow that to happen. I could cover it up. And same with, say, Reva. I mean, she can tell I'm disappointed that something didn't go this way. That's okay. That's yeah. okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm very nice as I can be and encouraging and everything too. But if somebody gets a little bit of an f- uncomfortable feeling from me, that is okay or good if it's true. Yeah. There's hey, no, Matt, there's no, well, there's Matt, no let, excuse to ever be abusive or mean, of course. Matt, let me play out this scenario because I'm curious. I want you to put some thought in this, or you may just know right off. So what if you are producing an album and... Um, the answer to any question you ask me will, will be solved with a utilitarian answer. So well, go no, ahead. I, so, yeah, see if well, you can I want to hear how answer. that plays out. So the guitarist can tell that you're irritated and you even get more irritated. And finally, he's and, and you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I do not like this dude. I cannot wait till this job is over. Right. And he actually says, Matt... Uh, 
do you not like me or something? I mean, what's the problem? Do you do you say uh, no? I don't like you. I actually can't. Look, I'm wait way to- better than that though. I don't just sit there and look irritated and expect other people to solve my problems. If I'm trying to get a guitar player to act a certain way, I may act like I may choose to act like he's playing great and then fix it when he leaves. I may choose to, uh, even though it's killing me, act like he's really doing it because that's the best performance I'm going to be able to get out of him. <laughs> I'm just choosing the best display. Right. to get the best result. Now, authenticity matters, though, of course. Now, that's a very simple thing. Some guitar player, I'm trying to get him to play the right part, so I manage that situation however is needed to get the desired outcome, which is not our relationship in that. It's the guitar track. Anybody that you know, you're more okay with them knowing your true feelings and how upset you are, true or false. You're more upset them knowing your true feelings. Yeah, the, pe- yeah. the closer you are negative. to somebody, negative, the yes. more comfortable you are yeah. them knowing your negative yeah. feelings yeah. totally okay so just absorb that for a second and think about it it's less respectful and less close and more push off for somebody to always be nice to them yeah if say, say it's a coworker that you kind of know the more vulnerable you can be with your displeasure right. but under control and authentic that is progress in a deeper more functional relationship yeah i agree with that who cares about being nice? It's worth almost nothing. Yeah, it's almost nothing. Better but if it's it, a toss-up. It does, it does okay, grease nice. the wheels, though. It does make things yeah. a little smoother. Yeah, but, but, I mean, but, but Matt, it seems like you, of all people, realize the strategy and niceness, man. That gets it's you It's all places. strategy all the time. Okay. but I, Is what I'm telling you. Yeah. But if, it's, if there's any re, if I'm going to have to work with somebody over a long period of time or be involved with them or see them ever again after I leave this Dunkin' Donuts, I would like to take steps so that they know me and understand me. Yeah. And that includes not people-pleasing because well, that that's directly interesting ag- and- against it. If I'm just trying to be nice to get out of Dunkin' Donuts and never going to see them again, fuck it. I'll yeah. be nice. That's interesting because my natural reaction to what you're saying is I want to push back, but then I can list dozens of people that aren't nice that i really like a lot so i guess it doesn't matter i mean who cares about nice it just doesn't that's just not the virtue it's not it's not useless but it's very 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 low value okay i'm just going to be honest with y'all this is really boring i don't really like either one of you right now so we're going to take a break and we're going to bring on somebody that we're really going to like and we won't even have to fake it his name is jason jason romano He's former, worked at ESPN for like 16 years or something like that. Just just quit. To, we'll find out why he quit. But uh, it's going to be interesting because I want to ask him as much as I can about ESPN and sports. And we don't get to do talk sports a ton on this podcast, so it would be very nice to get to do that. So let's take a break, and uh, we'll pay some bills and bring on Jason. All right, guys. At a time when it feels like it's never been harder to find the truth, supporting the free press is critically important. From its inception, Texture has supported journalism not by just offering access to great magazines, but also financially. A portion of every subscriber's fee goes directly to the publishers. uh, Texture features some of the most trustworthy, credible publications in the world, such as Time Magazine, The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, and many others. Texture is a go-to source to access not just your favorite magazines, but also the latest and greatest investigative journalism, U.S. politics, and domestic and international news. So the Texture app has gone beyond delivering just the magazine itself. They've made it easy to find and enjoy articles that you want to read with daily recommendations, exclusive interactive features, videos, and more. Texture makes magazines easy, and there are so many great ones out there, like Time Magazine, The New Yorker, Vanity Fair. They have just a <laughs> unbelievable collection of magazines. It's just so, 
so good. Texture is searchable, and you can mark what you like. Check out back issues, which I think is one of my favorite uh, features of this, and uh, view bonus video content. And they even give uh, and they even curate articles and magazines just for you. Texture is normally nine ninety nine a month, and you get over two hundred magazines, but if you sign up right now at texture.com slash bad Christian, you get a 14 day free trial. Why subscribe to just a couple of magazines when you can have all of your favorites on your smartphone or tablet all the time for way less. I love it. When you travel, it's so awesome having the texture app. I love that part. Plus texture was selected as one of Apple's top 2016 iPad apps. So right now texture is offering our listeners 14 days free when you go to texture.com slash bad Christian, that's 14 days to try texture for free. When you go to texture.com slash bad Christian, one more time, texture.com slash bad Christian. Here's the deal. I know that you guys hate, uh, I mean, I would imagine human beings, we hate spending more money than what we need to. Well, the tough situation is we also like concerts and sporting events and going online, you never know if you're getting the right price because there's so many different places to buy from. Well, Here's the solution. That's SeatGeek. SeatGeek. I'm going to say it one more time. SeatGeek. It's always the first place that I go to buy tickets for a game, a concert. I got the app on my phone. I just used it the other day, honestly, because there's a concert I wanted to go to, and that's the place I'm going to check first. So buying tickets online for sports and concerts has always been actually confusing because, like I said, you want the best price. But SeatGeek is is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. So uh, SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why they exist, and that's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value as well. So you'll immediately see underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. So here's what you're going to do to get your $20 rebate on your first purchase. That's right, $20 off. Download the SeatGeek app, then go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. The promo code is badchristian, all one word. Then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. So like I said, download the SeatGeek app right now and enter code badchristian to get your $20 off. Thank you for joining us, Jason. Yeah, it's great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. So is, is that right? You saw us on Twitter. Are you, are you, were, you responded to you were a listener, knew who we were and stuff like that, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I right? know who you are. I got, I've listened to you guys in the past. I enjoy your show. It's, I remember the first time I heard it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, Christian's <laughs> swearing and doing a podcast. What's going on here? But it was great. I thought you guys, you got to hit some real, real heavy topics and have good conversations. So I enjoyed it. And when somebody hit us up on Twitter, after I uh, put it out there that I'm leaving ESPN, I was like, yeah, let's do it whenever you guys want. Excellent. You know, I want to find out why you're leaving, but how in the world could you? Like the, working at ESPN seems like for a dude, the pinnacle of life. Like, I mean, <laughs> I know there's God and Jesus and all that stuff. I mean, it was ESPN, right? <laughs> so how, how did you get, I mean, were, were, have you always been a sportscaster? How did you get into working at ESPN? You know, ever since I was a kid, huge sports fan. Uh, when I went to college, I went to college specifically for broadcasting. Uh, my dream was to host a radio sports talk show uh, when I was 18. And uh, I went to college for that, did all the, the fun things you can do in college as far as getting experience and working on the local campus radio station and doing a radio show and doing sports. It was great. And when I got out of college, got a job locally, worked in local radio for three years as a producer at a news talk radio station in Albany, New York, which is where I'm from. And then uh, got to ESPN in 2000, July 
18th of 2000 started at ESPN. So you're kind of used to the terrible, terrible weather and place of Bristol. If I look to my right, there's 25 inches of snow on the ground right now. <laughs> Ooh, it's nasty. We, uh, I'm sure we both know some of the same people. You know Daniel Dopp then. I know damn well. Yeah. yeah. I met, in fact, I don't, I shouldn't say I know him well, but I met him about five or six months ago and we connected and he's a great guy. Yeah, so he took us and we toured the campus there at Bristol. But I was kind of blown away how such an um, amazing facility with a billion-dollar satellite and all this stuff and, all, you know, all the sports thing. And they have all the sports people come through there to make the commercials. And it's so far out and away from everything. And it's just, a, I mean, I think it's a crappy place, to be honest. But uh, the ESPN campus is amazing. It's, a, it's not a crappy place. If, you, if you're married <laughs> with kids, it's a great yeah. place. You know, if you're single and 23 and trying to start your career off, it's terrible. It's yeah. got to be bad for the talent. Doesn't want to go there, do they? Again, it depends on the situation. Are you going to go play in the NBA if you're told mm-hmm. you have to go to Salt Lake City, Utah? Like you're yeah. going to go and play in Salt Lake City, Utah for the Jazz right. because that's right your on. opportunity. And it's kind of the same thing with these with the talent. You know, they're going to go to ESPN because it's the pinnacle, even yep. if it is located in the middle of nowhere, Connecticut. So being so being a big sports fan and you're yeah. 17 years at ESPN, like what were some of the highlights and anybody that was really awesome oh. meeting or what was the deal? I there? mean, I've been very lucky because for nine years I worked as a talent booker, a talent producer. Oh, man. And so I've met and walked around and shown around ESPN and, and booked so many guests for all of our different shows Yeah, that there's, there's a lot out there. Um, uh, the, a couple that come to mind, Snoop Dogg. So Snoop Dogg comes to ESPN <laughs> yes. and I mean, we could spend an hour just on his day at ESPN, but he comes, did he have a Jets jacket on? He did not have a Jets jacket on. <laughs> um, but let's just say when he opened up his van with oh, yeah. Bossy yeah, to come out yeah. and walk around, it got a little smoky. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would <laughs> have loved that. Oh my uh, so he's walking around. I'm taking him from show to show. And, uh, you know, there was a moment where I brought him into our green room to kind of get ready for his segment on first take. So I leave him in there and he's got like five or six guys with him. He's got this bodyguard that's like seven foot four, 500 pounds, just huge guy. <laughs> and so he's like, Snoop needs some time alone. I said, OK, got it. So he uses it, goes to the green room. He takes over our green room. I leave and I go down the hall to check on the studio to make sure we're good. I come back like 15 minutes later and I say to his bodyguard. Can I go in? Like, mind you, this is ESPN. Like, I work there. I should be able to go into the green room. You asked permission. Ready to go in because there's seven foot four guys standing outside the outside the green room. Yeah, I think we'd all ask for permission. We'd all ask. Exactly. And so I said, "Can I go in there?" He's like, "What do you need Snoop for?" I'm like, "Well, he's about to do a uh, TV show with Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless. Uh, Can we get him on?" He's like, "Snoop's not done yet." I said, "No. What do you mean not done?" He's like, "He's just not done yet." So I'm like, "All right, I'll just wait out here because we got five minutes." So I'm waiting, and all of a sudden, the door opens and more smoke comes out, and I realized that Snoop Dogg had legitimately turned our green room into a real green room <laughs> yeah you got a real green oh real green and he was having his uh you know having his time and doing his smoking and all that and it was just like the most bizarre unusual thing i've seen probably in my time there it was very odd so that <laughs> oh, snoop dog visit was unlike any other if i remember 
So there's been a lot of guys, though. I mean, there's so many guests I could tell you guys about. That's awesome. Like sport, sports wise, who was the one that like? Because obviously you've liked sports forever. Did you? Did you? Was it like just a, a normal big famous person, or what was like your the the sports person? You're like, I can't believe I'm hanging out with this guy. Easily, Daryl Strawberry. Now I'm a Mets fan going back to the 1980s, and he oh, was that's my amazing, then, yeah. sports hero. Yeah, that's and cool. then to spend, I literally spend eight hours just me and him walking around ESPN's campus, taking him from show to show. We have a thing we call the ESPN car wash. I don't know if you guys were told about it when you came for the tour, but it has nothing to do with cars. It has nothing to do with washing a car. It's just another sort of moniker for what it means when you have a guest come to Bristol and show them around and and put them on all these different shows. So they go through the ESPN car wash and Daryl Strawberry came since 2009 and it was just me and him. Usually when guests come to Bristol, they bring an entourage of five to 10 to as many as 20 people uh, to walk with them around yeah. campus. Daryl came by himself. So it was me and him. And uh, I just remember I wanted to go off fanboy on him and you know talk about the 1986 Mets and how he was my hero. And we just ended up talking about like real personal stuff like addiction and marriage and divorce and wow. faith wow. and just all of these really personal powerful topics so it was really cool that was unbelievable yeah i mean you couldn't have you couldn't i mean you actually got to have a real conversation not the fanboy thing that's just you know on the surface you got to go deep yeah and this is a guy who struggled with addiction struggled with you know uh illness and things like that and talking about that and my father has the same kind of thing he struggled with alcohol and struggled with depression and we just kind of clicked on talking about real stuff you know it's i always try to connect with these athletes when they do come through bristol and talk to them about something that's not just what they normally talk about yeah the on the field stuff but for daryl it was a whole nother level and we just it was such a great day that's crazy now what is it like for you too i always want to know i mean i know uh you probably have gotten these questions your whole life but also there has to be a lot of personality within the actual people that work there the personalities on espn was that hard to juggle too like were were they demanding or like like when Snoop was late, were you or was Stephen A yelling at you or or so, you know stuff like that happen or not really? It's usually the producers uh, that are yeah. yelling at me. Where are it? Where where is he? We literally have five minutes to go, and I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying, you right. know. So it's more of the producer level. The the talent has to worry about themselves in the show. They don't really. Too, I mean, they they get bummed if a guest misses a spot, which hasn't happened too often, but it does happen because he's late or whatever. Just last week, we had a situation where two New England Patriot players uh, were supposed to be on Mike and Mike, and they showed up at 9.52, and we go off the air at 9.54. So we we couldn't put them on, and we missed our hit. So we ended up taping a segment that ended up running the next day, but they missed their hit. And, you know, they went and did plenty of other interviews throughout the day at ESPN. So it's not like they didn't get, you know, their bang for their buck, but they missed being on, e- on Mike and Mike and Greeny and Golick said to, you know, myself and a bunch of the other producers, like, you know, what happened? We, we wanted to have them on. It was like, listen, it just, it, it's something that's out of our control. You know, they showed up, I think it snowed that day. It showed up late because of the snow or whatever. So yeah. it happens, but the talent usually yeah. are pretty understanding. They're, they're a lot less high maintenance than one might think. Wow. Well, what about the other question I have too now? So I'm, I'm like a huge Colin Coward fan. I love Colin Coward. And he left love ESPN. And, uh, you know, Skip Bayless left. Now you've left. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I wanted to ask you for a lot different reasons. Right. <laughs> I, wasn't, I didn't get a good multi million dollar contract. Yeah, but when they, 
when they lost when they lost you, I think that might be the end for me and ESPN. But uh, I, I'm just joking. But I mean, they uh, they are. I think it's true to it that they are the worldwide leader of sports. But do you see my, this migration of some of the talent leaving and and with Fox trying to get this thing started? Do you see a, a real change in how sports is going to be delivered in the future? It won't just be ESPN, or what do you think about that? Well, there's definitely a, a lot of avenues where you can consume your sports. You know, and people like Bleacher Report and Barstool yeah. and these places are making their own little dents and their own little sort of footprints in the sand of the sports world. But I mean, somebody asked me yesterday, are you worried? Like ESPN, it's reported that obviously they're losing a lot of subscribers from the TV side um, because people are changing their consumer habits. And my answer is, okay, that's true, but they're not losing consumers. They're losing consumers who watch TV in the yeah. old traditional way. Right. Your podcast is an example of how people are consuming content. It's different now. It's on their phones. It's on their tablets. Yep. So ESPN is recognizing that and realizes, listen, we're still the number one brand in sports, number one brand in sports, not just sports television right. So or sports media. So people are going to still want to come to us and consume our content. Yeah. It's just how yeah. are they getting it? And I think that's the difference in how you're going to see ESPN change the landscape a little bit is it's not just about a six o'clock sports center TV show and what that rating did. It's going to be bigger, uh, a bigger global look at like, all right, how, how did that same segment do on our social media pages? Yeah. You know, Dan Levitard's show, which is the one that replaced Colin. Yeah. You know, their show is hugely popular and it's not because of the ratings that they get from the TV side or even the radio side. It's the podcast side. And the amount of people that download right. their podcast after their show is over. Right. Yeah. Is That's how I insane. listen to that show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. I can't even bring myself to put on Sports Center anymore. Like it just Sports Center seems so and it was weird. Like I I had a millennial friend. Yeah. And he goes, he says, I don't even watch Sports Center anymore. I just get stuff on I just I'm on Twitter. I see what Facebook and Right. Right. And and I was like, Why really? And I thought it was bizarre that he said that. And I said, Wait, you don't I still like Sports Center, and then if that rung in my head for the next six months, and by six months later, I was like, yeah, why do I turn this on? I mean, I already kind of know that. You know, if you follow Sports Center on Twitter, then you're in a yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Watching Sports right. Center, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. you're right. right. About that. Yeah. So like, like I already knew everything. Sports brand. Yeah. yeah, it's not like I need the highlights package to know what happened in the games. I just don't. All right, you knew. get your highlights. Yeah. Right away. Before we move on to chapter two in your life, I'm I'm yeah. curious because uh, we haven't talked about this on the podcast yet. Was the Super Bowl more of Atlanta choking or Tom Brady's greatness with Belichick? Like, what, what's your what's your little assessment? I watched that game. I got to be honest with you. I was rooting very hard for the Patriots to lose. Uh, I'm not. I'm yeah. a Cowboys fan, so it really. I didn't have a dog in the fight in the game. We're all three Packers fans. Sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your Aaron Rodgers quarterback killing me, but that's all right. Um, no, I think when I watched that game, uh, you know, I was I was rooting for Atlanta. I actually picked Atlanta, and then they go up twenty eight three, and you're just like, all right, yeah. this game is over. And then at the moment when Brady starts making the comeback. You just watch it and you're shaking your head like, no, you want to see the sort of chink in the air. I remember when Michael Jordan was winning all those championships in the 90s and I rooted against Jordan. And I look back at it now and think, well, yeah. why did I do that? And it was because I wanted to see the, the epitome of greatness fall. I just wanted to see some kind of chink in the arm or something happen. Right. And it never happened. And I watched this game and I, I didn't appreciate it until right at the, at the end when they scored their touchdown in overtime to win the game when I was like, 
we just saw Michael Jordan happen before our very eyes in the football world with Tom Brady. And so it was definitely a choke by the Falcons. I mean, they did everything possible wrong to lose that game. And and it's the only way that the Patriots could have come back is those moments when the Falcons threw the ball on third and one or took a six-step drop on a pass when they really just could have done a quick two-step drop and get the ball out of your hands and you wouldn't have lost. I mean, there's so many different elements of what happened with the Falcons that lost them that game, but you just watch it. And Brady said, okay, you're going to give me an inch. I'm going to take it and I'm going to take advantage of it. And he was awesome. Like we watched greatness. That was the epitome of what you can do as an NFL quarterback is bringing your team back from 25 points down in the third quarter. Absolutely. You know, to win the Super Bowl. That's just unbelievable. Do do y'all think that was, uh, uh, somebody was asking this question. Do y'all think that was one of the greatest Super Bowls ever? Because, but, but, but I mean, for three quarters, it wasn't. Well, that's true. For three quarters, uh, I mean, it just was, you were like, oh gosh. I, I, I literally thought it was just like the Atlanta Green Bay game, the NFC Championship. I thought, oh, Atlanta's just on point. Their, their offense is just crazy. That they made a few silly mistakes. There was, you know, some turnovers by Patriots. And then, then, but no matter what, it had to be the most exciting end of a maybe. But well, I don't know though. Still, I mean, think about imagine the NFL films now when you're watching a narrative right. on that game. Every touchdown you see by Atlanta, you're going to be like, and they lost. But I, I agree. Maybe watching it, yeah. uh, maybe watching it live, you got one really unbelievable quarter. But still, it's 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 got to go down as one of the greatest. I mean, when I think about like the bill, some of the bills, like a, a missed field goal or whatever. When I think about the the Tennessee Titan guy yeah. reaching at the very end of the game and, and how that would have changed all this stuff. I don't know if I, I guess it ha, it will have to be in the top 10 just because it was the only one to ever go in that big a lead and the, the surpass that and then the overtime. But it, for me, the whole time I was like, oh, I don't even care about this. Okay. I'm happy for Atlanta. I, I was pulling for, we're from South Carolina. I was like, that'll be cool to see Atlanta. I remember them, you know, back in the day. And that was like the first team ever near me. But uh, so yeah, that was pretty dollar, crazy. But to uh, me, it's, yeah, but, it's the greatest finish to a Super Bowl yeah. you'll ever see. For yeah, sure, it has to be. the last eleven minutes or eight minutes or nine minutes of that game, and then into overtime. The only Super Bowl ever to make it into an overtime. That's the greatest finish. It's the greatest comeback. It's probably right. the greatest quarterback performance. I don't know if it's the greatest Super Bowl as a whole yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, you could argue the other the, the Super Bowl two years ago, Seattle and New England when they. Seattle right. threw the ball yeah. at the one yard line. Like if right. they just run it in that game to me might've been the, the best Super yeah. Bowl I've ever seen. Well, the best Super Bowl crazy. for sure is yeah. either Super Bowl one, two, 31 or 45. So Google mm-hmm. that. If you're not sure what mm-hmm. the correlation is. There. Yeah. 45 was <laughs> hey, but good. million yeah. dollar question I'm, I'm, in, in Dallas, yeah. by the way, for that one, right? Yeah. I prefer Super Bowl 30, <laughs> there you 27, go. 28. Yeah. You can there actually name five there. Did you ever get to meet any of the Dallas folks like Troy Aikman or any of those guys? I never met Troy, but I met Emmett Smith. Uh, spent the day, spent many days with Emmett. He actually worked at ESPN for a little while. Yeah. Uh, Michael Irvin. Uh, I met Roger Staubach. Uh, awesome. I've met a lot of the current, you know, Cowboys, Jason Witten and Dak Prescott just a couple of weeks ago when we were in Houston. So I've been fortunate to meet a lot of the guys that I root for. Uh, what, what, since, Hey, Joe, Joey, can I ask can we just stay here? I know I'm, I'm nerding out talking about sports, but we don't really get to talk about sports that much. What do you think since Dallas is your team? What do you, where do you think Romo's going? He's not staying in Dallas. Is he the, their quarterback is gone? Where, where do you think he's going to go? I mean, I talked to Romo's agent at the super bowl and this, it wasn't, I wasn't like trying to dig up dirty, just happened to be at our set. And, uh, I had seen him in a while and I just talked to him and I'm like, what do you think? And he just, he wants to start and play. And that's, 
it. And I worry for him because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's 37 years old. Personally, I would love him to stay in Dallas and be the backup. Like, I think that's such a cool way to end your career. I know it sucks for him to be a backup quarterback, but he's only been with the Cowboys his entire career. And it would be cool to kind of have him be the backup quarterback the last few years of his career, kind of like what Matt Hasselbeck did with Indianapolis behind Andrew Luck. But I think he's going to start. I think he's probably going to go to a Denver or the Jets or I've heard Houston. I've heard Arizona. I I don't know where he's going to go. Denver seems like the perfect fit because they need a quarterback Yeah, and they have every other piece in place. But I don't know. I don't know where he's going to go. Yeah, I think he can make a big impact for sure. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about players and Brady and Jordan and all that. Like what I have found as I get older, the teams that I could not stand and I was rooting against, like I rooted for Jordan and the Bulls the first two championships, and then I wanted Barkley and Suns to win Jazz those years. And uh, same thing. I hated Dallas Cowboys of the 90s, but now so far removed from all that, it's like my heritage. When you say Emmett Smith, I'm like, I love that yeah. guy. Now I hated him when he was beating up on Green Bay, but I'm like, no, that's that's when football was really good, the nineties. Yeah. And I mean, same oh, thing with Jordan. I'm like, 90s he's, was the he's, best. that's my time. I think yeah. the nineties was the greatest time for NBA for sure. I think we'll see the same thing with you know in the a couple of decades now with Trump. Everybody's <laughs> like, I hated him so bad, but he was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fascinated. We needed a villain. It was great. I look it back on it. Yeah, exactly. So, I think they're going to just look back at this time and just shake their head. So That's the what I think. million dollar That's question, me. man. Why leave ESPN? Yeah. What, what's your next chapter? A couple of years ago, uh, I went and spoke at a conference in Nashville. I think some of you guys are in Nashville right now. And yep. uh, it was a social media conference with a bunch of churches and nonprofits and Christian organizations. And they invited me to come and share and speak because I'm a believer and, you know, I had the ESPN connection and I was the only person there that worked for a company that was a secular company. Every other person there had worked for a church or a Christian organization. And I just, I don't know if it was from that moment in 2000, mid 2015, where I just kind of had this stirring, this started tugging at the spirit, whatever you want to call it, not to get too spiritual or whatever, but just to kind of like think, all right, maybe God's calling me away from ESPN. Is it time? Because there are people hey, real who are quick, doing that was not God, but go ahead. That was not God. That was not God. Okay. That was me. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. No, it was, it was just one of those situations where I thought, um, there are people doing the same job that I do, but they're doing it for yeah. a greater purpose and yeah. trying to share the gospel. And I thought maybe that's something that I should be doing. And I just kind of stayed there for a while, uh, talked to a few people about it. Um, and then an opportunity came in December where I went and, and um, was a part of a, a conference called PAO, Pro Athletes Outreach. And they do a conference for baseball players in December, and they do a conference for football players in March. And I went to these conferences and I saw, uh, you know, my world, if you will, of sports and athletes intersecting with the yep. world of faith. And it just made sense because, you know, my faith is strong. I really wanted to, to tell uh, a greater story, if you will. And an opportunity came and we prayed about it. My wife and I talked about it. Uh, it was a move where I didn't have to leave Connecticut um, as much as, as I think <laughs> I would have liked to. Um, we wanted to stay because our family's close by and all that. And my, yeah. my daughter's in school. And it was just a situation that made sense. And uh, we took the leap and that's why I'm leaving. So I'm, I'm really leaving just to kind of, go and take some of the talents and some of the experiences that I've had at ESPN and, and try to do it for, 
you know, being able to share it with a lens of the gospel. And that's, that's where I am. So it was time and I'm so, 43. So it was, you know, I think I had to make this move now. I didn't want to wait till I'm in my fifties or something like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think I've got enough experience and, and connections under my belt where I, I can make this work now. So, well, let's look at what you said about doing it for a greater purpose. Cause that's something that we think about and talk about a lot. Um, I think we're in a space with Christianity where it's like we've where it, we got to the point where church was all about. We got to the thing where we said, "Well, church isn't a building; it's the people," kind of thing. And then around that same time, people said, "Oh, so it's church should be God should be Jesus should be in all parts of our life, whether we're a you know broadcaster or a plumber." You could say, "Sure, yeah." So. Help me understand the exact logic of doing something for a greater purpose. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of theology and people p- telling people to be the best Christian you could be in your career. So a lot of people would say, you know, how do you think through the argument of being a Christian guy working in sports and influential that way versus working directly for a Christian thing? I'm, I'm interested in how to make that call. It's a, it's a great question. I mean, there was a time in 2008 or 2009 where I actually thought, and, and I remember telling my wife this, like, I should be working for a company like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes or something, because I love Jesus, I love the Lord, and I love sports. So why wouldn't I work with that? And I remember a day, I'm not name dropping here, it just happened to be the day. Well, all right, I'm name dropping, but it was Tony Dungy, the, uh, the coach of the Colts, um, mm-hmm. and obviously outgoing Christian. He was at ESPN, and I had him, and I was walking him around. And I'll get to, I'm, I'm going to answer your question, I promise, but I'm telling you the story for a reason. So Tony Dungy's walking around with me, showing him to his different interviews and his assistants there. And we're talking about matters of faith. And I remember saying to them, you know, I think I don't belong at ESPN. I just don't think this is where I'm supposed to be. And they both looked at me with this puzzled look. And it's like, you don't get it. You don't get it. And I said, I don't get what, what are you talking about? They're like, you're planted here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. God has called you here at ESPN for this reason, at this time, for this purpose. And you have to be a good steward of that and be a light to the people, to this, what you will, if you will, darkness that exists here. And that was like a light bulb for me. It kind of opened my eyes and, you, and I just realized you're right. I'm here. And as long as I'm here at ESPN, I am called to be uh, you know, the best person I can be and influence others for the gospel, not to kind of walk around with a Bible and be all preachy, but just to be as example, as best example as I can and to be as open about my faith as I can where, where possible. Fast forward 2015. So I tried to do that for seven, eight years. I tried to be, a, you know, the best I could be. And um, I just, I don't know. At that point, I felt like it was time to step out and kind of go into ministry, for lack of a better word. And that's what this is. So it's the greater purpose call, I believe, separating that while I was at ESPN, or if I was at any secular company for that matter, I was called to be uh, the best person I could be at that place. And now it's just a time where it's not seminary or anything like that, but it's time for me, I feel like, to go into the world of, of faith and serve. And that's really what I'm trying to do is I think God has given me a lot of talents, a lot of experiences, a lot of uh, opportunities to um to learn about the business of broadcasting, certainly learning about the business of social media, which is what I've been doing the last four and a half years. And I can help advance the gospel by taking those skills and bringing them into the, the Christian sphere. And that's kind of what I'm trying to yeah, do. It sounds like it sounds like you agree with Matt's sentiments, but you're saying, but I, in this season of life, 
am supposed to be yeah. more directly involved in direct ministry, not not lot not like indirect yeah, it, and ESPN and that sort of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And that's not a full time thing because one of the things I want to do, uh, and I'm gonna go work for this um sports and faith ministry that I just told you guys about, but I'm also gonna allow myself some margin to do consulting and to do speaking. And that's not just in a faith world. Like I want to allow myself to be able to go and serve with companies and if I can help them with their social media or their digital media or their media, you know, their broadcasting, whatever it is, I would love to help them. And it doesn't have to be just a Christian company or just the church or anything like that. So I'm not completely isolating myself from the secular business world. It's just that I feel I feel like this is the time for me to step out and try to do my own thing, uh, especially more geared towards ministry. Why do you think that faith, like in God, especially maybe even in, uh, we can just talk about just sports in America, are so connect, con- so connected with, uh, to intertwine, like faith, like, you know, so many sports athletes always are talking about God or end up going into ministry. The, the, one of the coaches from, uh, the assistant coach, I think from Seattle, uh, Seahawks just stepped down to be, I think, to become a pastor or something like that. What do you seen like having worked in M- M- ESPN and stuff? What, why, why do you think that is? This so connected with faith and athletics? Well, it's definitely connecting with athletes as, that I've seen more the faith aspect. Of yeah, it. many athletes that have come through. Um, you know, a lot of these athletes grow up in not having a whole lot, and they develop a faith within them when they're young from their parents, from their mom or dad or whatever. Some of them come from single parent homes and faith is a lot of ways, all they were able to lean on when they were younger, that and their talent. And so I think that's the big connection is where you see it. Um, you know, you see it, I see it more in the NFL than anywhere because you see the prayer circle after a game and four five, six, maybe even as much as 15 or 20 guys coming together. You, you, you sort of, see that it's more acceptable. You know, NFL teams have full-time team chaplains hired to work with their players and bring a spiritual element to the team. You know, you see that baseball too. Um, but I don't know exactly why sports more than any other sort of entertainment realm is connected, but it's definitely there. And I think there's a real opportunity these guys want to be fed. Like think about baseball players and football players too. Like they can't go to church on Sundays because right. they got to work. So they need to be uh, ministered to, you know, especially the younger people who are sort of wide eyed and bushy tailed and just, you know, they they walk into this sports world of craziness and they need somebody to ground them and kind of minister to them and mentor them, all of that. And hopefully from a faith perspective that can take place. Yeah, I've always thought that too. Maybe like I, I, thinking about this subject, I was wondering because uh, a a you know a, a young athlete uh, all of a sudden went from college to now is a multimillionaire, has cameras in their face, all this stuff, and then so maybe part of that is some kind of footing or some kind of ground. Like all that stuff can be unreal or not real, even you know it can be fantasy, even though you're making that money and all that stuff that might not last forever. So I've always wondered that, like, is that a, is that something that athletes can turn to, to go, well, at least I know my God or is with me or, you know? Yeah, it can be. And it's, but it's also, you see it on the other side, you see guys come in who are, um, you know, grounded in their faith and sort of become famous and have success very quickly 
in their careers and they think they can do it all. And then they don't really rely on their have to feel like they have to rely on their faith anymore. And they sort of take a different direction, you know? Yeah. What about the industry itself? You you differentiated the athletes there because another thing is these athletes are the they're the exact same age, um, you know they're young twenties. So that's when you have those. That's when anybody who's a really obnoxious Christian that's the right. age yeah. they are that you know like just come out of college they're pretty zealous you yeah. know and so you know but on the other hand in the industry you know the ESPNs and the Foxes and the business people and stuff like that um, I wonder if what it's like there and you said it earlier like tony dungy and other people said uh, i don't know if you meant this but I, I want your take on it that you're a light in the darkness i mean is espn is the broadcast industry is it dark i mean you're surrounded from it's a melting pot of all walks of life right it's seven thousand or eight thousand people on the espn's campus from all walks of life so I don't want to call it darkness. That that probably wasn't the proper word for Tony to use, but what I I knew what he meant. Right, right. That's what I was wondering. Did he mean it that way, or that just that's just the typical way you say, you know? Yeah. I think it was just Christianese. Beacon on a hill would have been a better analogy then, right? Something than lighting the seedy (laughs) darkness of ESPN. (laughs) Right, but I definitely think it's you know any of these big secular companies like they're going to sway away from that as much as possible and not want to be as associated with it. So they're very careful about sure. inclusion and allowing everybody to sort of walk their own way and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Hey, did y'all, did I don't think it's, did y'all problem. hear what Go just ahead. happened? We're like Jason actually like Christianese is such, it's it, a defined thing that Jason said, I'm pretty sure it was just Christianese if you speak it. So it is its own language. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know what, what you I mean. Meant, though, I know what you mean. Hey, yeah. did you? Um, Definitely. Uh, this has been awesome. Did you know we had? So you, you're gonna have to go back yeah. into our library. We had Chad Hennings, uh, three-time Super Bowl champ, on uh, the podcast. I did. I oh, remember nice. listening to that. Nice. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's a cool guy. He's dude. Awesome. All all Very the cool best to you, man. It's awesome. Hopefully, uh, we can keep in Thanks, touch guys. as well, man. It's really awesome catching up. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on anytime you want me back. I'm always around. So I appreciate yeah, Jason it. Romano, keep us updated at what you do next. Do you have anything you want to tell people to go follow and see where you go? Yeah, we just got a, a revamped my website. It's Jason Romano 22.com. Uh, and my Twitter handle is Jason Romano, just my name. And um, I will say one thing quickly, I, I'm writing a book and the book comes out Sweet. at the end of the year has nothing to do with the SPN. Uh, it's a personal story of faith and redemption and forgiveness, uh, based on the relationship with my dad, a personal relationship of, um, struggles and depression and a broken relationship that he and I had and an opportunity came to write a book. So I'm in the midst of doing that. And that comes out at the end of the year. So got a lot going on, but yeah, the website is probably the best place where I'll probably update everybody on what's going on. Great. People can check that out. Jason Romano, 22.com, right? Yeah, you got it. Very Thanks, good. guys. As pleasure. Thank you very much, Jason. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. That was great. Nice talking to Jason. Now, Toby's gone. He's back now, but he went because Dave called. Yeah, Dave's uh, on the way. We're trying to get our bus. Yeah. Right? I didn't even get to say goodbye to Jason. I That's thought all right. Was such he a said he didn't, he didn't like you that much. Dang he's it. Like, um, he, so he, he, he's one of those guys that can just tell you the truth. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you left to just go talk to Dave. Yeah, so I, I got to know, is our bus running? Yes or okay, no? Okay, so there's an unbelievable wiring problem, but uh-huh. they've got so no headlights, no brake lights. Who needs uh, them? They couldn't get it cranked or anything. But <laughs> you need that. at this point, they have every light on except for one taillight. 
drive it. Yeah, he yeah. is. I told Hell him. Yes. I, I, yes. And I said, hey. Yes. I said, uh, so he's not leaving till five and won't be here till probably nine. I'll nine take minutes. it. If but, I get to sleep in my bunk tonight, yeah. I don't care right. if we so, practice. So this is why I'll, I'll give everybody a clue here. So our bus has been sitting dormant for quite a while. In, 18 months. And like <laughs> 16 <laughs> degrees. To 10 degree weather in Indianapolis, two winters and all that stuff. And so it didn't crank that we had to get all new batteries and they had to rewire all this stuff apparently. Which I think if the bus was here, Matt and I would probably figure it out. I have a hard time trusting people, especially mechanics sometimes. There's some really good ones, but there's a lot of not good ones. But anyway, so, yeah, so Dave's going to drive it, and then he, he's worried, what if I got pulled over? But just With say, a taillight? Yeah. So what? All we you gotta we say do that is, all the time. Yeah, I'm sorry. My light went out. I'll get it fixed immediately. Yeah, that's no big deal. So, and I don't think he'll get And it's, you know, pretty early, so I think we Y'all do don't understand stuff. how good this bus is. This bus is a, a Greyhound bus from 1984 that we redid the whole inside of that we paid $9,500 for and put a few more thousand in it and then once had to replace the generator. And it is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like they, I haven't been in it in a, almost a year and a half because we did acoustic shows all last year. But Dave is bringing the rig back, and That's I get right. to sleep in my real bed tonight. Yeah, Fine. so if you come to the show in Nashville or Atlanta this Friday or Saturday in Atlanta, uh, Friday Nashville, you'll get to see the rig. You can see it out there parked. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you best. won't be able to come near it, and we'll have security attack you. We ha- we actually are hiring Snoop's <laughs> security to <laughs> protect the bus on this tour. But, yeah, we're happy to have you guys out there. So, so hey. we have these Emory shows uh, in Nashville and Atlanta. Nashville is on yep. Friday night. Oh, yeah. And uh, Atlanta Saturday night. So we get started practicing as soon as we're done podcasting here in a little bit. Um, but for that reason alone, we're going to have to run on. We're not doing the news today. I'm Damn very it. sorry for you, Toby. We're we on enjoy a roll to the with no news, um, man. If there's anything else y'all want to do, let's wrap. But uh, we don't we don't have news today. I'm yeah. sorry to tell there's you. There's a few spots left for tr- the True Man Experience in uh, Florida, either in Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, or Fort Lauderdale. Um, so hit me up, Toby at bad Toby Bad Christian at Gmail, and just talked with a guy yesterday who is so cool. His name's Seth, and he's going to be building my True Man website, and he's very cool. So. Thank you, everybody that wrote me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, but Seth seems like he's going to kill it. So, uh, yeah, I think that's it. So, y'all, y'all want to pray? Or well, what, I want to tell get real? everybody. You want to get real? I want to tell about everybody sports? about. Are you, what are you doing? Are you touching yourself? I'm what are you doing right now? On my waist. Not, I don't think that looks like your waist to anybody well, but you. So, I want to tell every. Well, your waist hangs down low. About thebcclub.com. Go. Do you have dicky do disease? Because <laughs> your stomach sticks out farther than your dicky do. <laughs> I've heard that a million times, but it's always funny. So the BC Club, if you want information on how to uh, help us just by shopping on Amazon, you know you're going to shop. You're going to do your daggum shopping. So just you're going to shop. Go go to thebcclub.com to find out how you can help us out while you do that. And the BC Club, you got to join it, man. All the cool kids are doing it. And also, Toby, we do an extra episode a week, and Toby reveals something really crazy about his uh, sexual past on the latest episodes. Yeah, and you post nudes. <laughs> you 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 DM people, you know, under 25 yeah, nudes. I mean, in the B, the, as long as they're just, in the BC Club. You, oh, you're a pastor. You're what not going to believe <laughs> You're, a you're pastor. not going you to believe the sexual stuff that Toby was into just a couple of years ago. It's crazy. I mean, it's just filthy. Just re- I, mean, I know. Yeah. I know. I yeah, I, I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> the things that I've done sexually, my god, there's and no I way I'm making it to heaven. I think I will disqualify. <laughs> as soon as I breathe my last breath, Point zero zero one seconds is what I'm going to experience of pure. I think it disqualifies awful. you from being a host on this. Disqualifies. It disqualifies <laughs> you from being a host on this podcast. 
Go in peace. We're just blabbering now. Go in peace, ye who need him, who knows all and is all in his name. <laughs> Why are you getting tickled? I couldn't could keep going. <laughs> You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.